Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. Gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start. Day Network will bring you there. So let's talk about it when life and on the air. Good morning, everyone. This is Fran Lewis. This is MJ Network. MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce. And this is going to be fantastic. We welcome Stephen Harms to the show and the the book, The Council of the Cunning. Oh, if you didn't read this, I don't know what's the matter with you. Roger Viceroy faces a return to the FBI in a life he vacated long ago until a knock on his front door announces the presence of billionaire and former U.S. Senator Jurgen Sand, and the life becomes much more different. So welcome, Stephen, to MJ Network. And this book, really, I read it in two hours. For real, it was really good. Oh, well, thanks, Fran, and uh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it very much, and uh, I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, so how did you come to create this question? Um, the short summary about it, and how did you explain the first chapter that sets the stage for what happens next? Well, to, to parse out the first part of your question, um, as I, I started this series, the Roger Viceroy series, a book one came out a number of years ago, and... Um, pandemic uh, delayed some things, but uh, book two just launched uh, in November. And the idea around um, the stories is just uh, is, is somewhat um, channeling Reacher a little bit. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of how Lee Child writes and, and, um, and that whole character. This is not a copycat of that, but it kind of inspired me to try it on my own. So um, I think uh, so far so good. And um, this particular book, uh, was I, I where I come with my stories is is um, try to think of something unique uh, that has obviously mystery, uh, suspense, and or thriller elements in it, and build a story around uh, Viceroy and what he's doing. So um, with this particular book, um, I actually uh, on the opening chapter, uh, I, in all honesty, that was not the first chapter for the longest time. I had written a lengthy. Uh, flashback opening for the antagonist that was actually probably spanned about two chapters. Um, somewhat down the road, uh, as the writing process went on, I knew that flashback open just wasn't going to work. Plus, I had to introduce um, one of the minor characters in the book, Dr. Katerina Amador, and her situation. So in pivoting to her, it introduced for the reader, uh, right out of, out of the gate, um, her plight, and really two important plot elements that set the stage for the rest of the book. Uh, one, the fact of why and where she is, and two, the, uh, the, the, the ultimate connection to why Jurgen Sant is at Viceroy's uh, front door. Yeah, I know. It's like I read that and I said, okay, what's going to happen next? Now, give us the backstory about the Viceroy, because unfortunately I didn't have the honor of reading the first one. They didn't send that to yeah, me. Yeah, and um, no, it's great. And I, uh, I, I, I attempted uh, to write book two uh, in a way that it would stand on its legs, and hopefully you got that out of it. In that you, there were some references yep. to book one, but it wasn't like you necessarily had to read book one to, um, to, to connect the dots. 
Uh, Viceroy um, is a careerist detective um, who started in police work, um, then moved on to the FBI, and then when book one opens, he has moved on one more time to the head of an investigative agency called the Midwest Region Special Crimes Unit. Uh, that's the first book in, uh, in the series, Give Place to Wrath, and explains the agency's focus um, and what they were dealing with in that book, which was a bombing that started a, a, another, another manhunt. Um, as this book opens, uh, Council of the Cunning, um, the, the, the agency is being shuttered, and he faces a return to the FBI until Sant shows mm-hmm. up at his door. And I did that on purpose uh, because I wanted to free Viceroy and his team up from being unrestricted, from being part of a government agency. So I guess maybe that's some of the inspiration mm-hmm. around the Reacher uh, element. But it, it, it allowed me then to widen the lane uh, real well um, on future stories because it's almost anything goes at this point. So um, so that's uh, that's what's going on there. On a personal note for Viceroy, um, in book one, he's dealing with a surprise separation and pending divorce from his relatively mm-hmm. new uh, and only wife. Um, that book ends with him having to make a decision after his wife has come full circle to reconcile, uh, but I've left it open at the end of book one in terms of what he's going to do. So um, that was, as you look at, at Cunning in, in book two, uh, there is a reference to that. That was That's what that was all about. Well, this I take it that this is not the end. You're going to write a third one, right? You're going to bring this guy yes. back a couple of times. Yes, I am. Oh, yeah, book three is beginning to take shape. Yes. I have to know because I put something on Facebook this morning. My My schedule... And, and I can't believe this is outrageous. Um, the guy guess to go through this ridiculous, horrible panda- pandemic is booked all the way to the end of April. I mean, it's not oh, really? in April, well, but that, I can't, I can't believe great. it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> and yeah. I've got some really big names coming up in January, February, and March, and I never do more than two in a week. But this week we got three. Oh yeah. Oh, that's and a great. Few more. Well, yeah. Well, as the, as the world sort of stalled, um, now we're coming out of it, I think, you know, it's kind of a catch-up uh, uh, six months here. So that's that's great for you. That's awesome. It's, it's, it's keeping me very busy. What can I say? And my husband's very happy because yeah. he keeps me out of the stores going <laughs> shopping, he said. So why did Sand come to the door, and what did he ask, and why? What was um, Roger's reaction to what he wanted? So... Um, the reader will find out, and it's in the blurb, so it's fine to kind of talk this through a bit. Um, a decade prior, um, the senator lost his only son, who vanished in Guatemala, uh, the jungles of Guatemala, mm. to be precise. And he's come to convince Viceroy to take on the hunt to track him down um, after Sands believes that his son very uh, will uh, potentially be very much still alive after a satchel uh, was left at his front gate. And that had some personal items of um, of Bertram in it, and um, this was after Santa had hired a previous um, detective to to go find his son. That person also vanished. So Santa uh, has been tracking Viceroy uh, his career. Uh, Santa again, a very much a Milwaukee um, uh, big kind of celebrity character. Not only was he a senator, but he was um, the heir to a uh, a brewery I, I invented, uh, kind of taking off Milwaukee's heritage a bit, which is, by the way, my hometown, the Milwaukee area. And uh, he's he's a, he's a he's a, a committed um, uh, careerist for uh, for Milwaukee and all things good there. So he he tracks 
a lot of things. And one of those was, was Viceroy's, uh, Viceroy's uh, career. And um, once this agency is getting shuttered, Sam jumped in to, uh, to hire him uh, almost immediately. And Viceroy's reaction was not necessarily um, immediate to jump into it. He, he, he did not want to return to the FBI, which you'll find out in that sort of the second chapter. And he needed to um, talk that through and figure it out. And uh, is that is that what he wants to do? He had some skepticism around what Sam was saying. He had he 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 um, he, he wasn't necessarily ready to to do it. Uh, having said that, there are certain I don't want to divulge the specifics, but there's certain um, I guess lack of a better way of saying it signs that that Viceroy comes into. Uh, um, experience with and one of those was what Sant um, brought to him in terms of the bookmark and how Viceroy interprets what that sign meant to him personally which kind of launches him to accept the job and, and, and so we go So who is Silk and Regina and why do they play an important they, role in how the plot develops? I like those two Yeah, um, so uh, when I when I first created this, uh, this series I, I wanted um, more than just be a one-man show, I did want him to have, have I guess I would say, two assistant detectives. So that's who these two are: uh, Trevor Moreland, nicknamed Silk, and Regina Cortez, uh, fill those roles. Uh, they both were with him at the agency from the first book, and he brings them into um, book two now that they're all employed by Jurgen Sant uh, to to uh, to go on the manhunt. Um, as I uh, as I um, have described in the blurb, there is a, a, par- a parallel plot that emerges mm. as the manhunt for Bertram Stant unfolds. So in answer to your question of their roles, where the book splits, and they don't know at the beginning there is a parallel plot, but mm. um, uh, Silk sort of stumbles into it, and he stays in Milwaukee and hunts down that trail while Viceroy and Regina go to Central America to begin the hunt for Bertram based on the, the knowledge that they've come to find out, uh, as scant as it is, um, where they could pick up the trail. And as the book weaves, uh, Silk um, stays in Milwaukee, um, Regina and, and uh, Viceroy are in Guatemala, and the reader is kind of jumping between the two. But as the book wears on, those, those two uh, storylines begin to converge. And uh, so Silk and Regina play a very important role in uh, in helping Viceroy uh, figure out what's going on and how to how to get to the finish line. And uh, same same in book one. So they're sort of a three person team, and um, and Viceroy being the the lead. But uh, they play very important roles uh, in this book as well as all all other other ones uh, going forward. Well, this seems to be a very setting for a lot of books that I've been reading is Guatemala for some reason. I don't know, everybody's choosing it. And as a matter of fact, I read um, one of the authors wrote a book about two people that went to Guatemala on vacation and learned an awful lot about the country. <laughs> I learned an awful lot, too. Yeah. So this was interesting. So tell, tell us about Liesl and her problem. This part really got me. It's the, explaining the drug issue. And what is greed and what do the berries have to do with it? That was interesting. Yeah, so Liesl is Senator Sant's uh, other um, other child, um, a little older than Bertram. Uh, she's always been in in Milwaukee. Uh, mm. Obviously, both both kids are heirs to to a fortune. Um, Liesl is wrestling with personal issues um, after the death of her mother, Sant's wife, a few years back, as well as obviously her brother vanishing in Guatemala. She has turned to drugs. Um, which, without giving away too much of the plot for those readers who haven't yet read the book, 
I'll leave it as an integral component to what's happening. It is tied to Screed, um, which is the street name uh, for a massively powerful new narcotic that has hit the streets of Milwaukee. It comes in the form of a berry, and, um, and Liesel is, is basically hooked on it. Um, so, uh, and there are outcomes, really negative outcomes for anybody who is hooked on, on this drug. And she mm-hmm. is, uh, she is trying to weave her way through it. She does get involved in Silk's side of what's going on uh, back in Milwaukee and, um, and, and the parallel plot going on there. Drugs are really powerful. Let me tell you, any kind of drugs are powerful. Even an aspirin can do, can do you in. It's it's scary. That's what yeah. it's, a lot of people are writing about different types of drugs too. Some of them are real, and some of them the authors created. And I wouldn't want to know if this is real or fake. Wow, it's scary. So and yeah, I know once they become addicted, it's hard. So who is Kendrick Winston, and what part does he play? So Kendrick um, is uh, Bertram Stantz. I'm sorry, Jurgen Stantz. Um, a communications director during his Senate years, and yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and Jurgen has kept him on post retirement from from Congress, um, and is is with him now, and he's sort of his his public facing voice, right, for press conferences, mm-hmm. communication, public relations, that sort of thing. So Kendrick is there for him all the way. He is involved as well. I don't want to again say too much there, but oh, he, don't give it away. Yeah, and <laughs> what's uh, what's going on? So. That's who he is. Yeah, he's well. So there are two more characters, Lisp and Code. Cody or Code? What, what do they have to do with Code, this? Code, yeah. Cody, I'll yeah. touch on Lisp first. So um, I, I, uh, I realized I was getting a lot of characters in the book, and, and it just was I one know. of these complicated <laughs> stories that, uh, that had a lot of people touch points, right? So I think, um, at least I hope the way I read it, wrote it, that uh, – most people may have to refer back to a chapter two to figure out who's who. But if you read the chapter it's in, you, I think the way I've written it sort of pulls you back into the context of who this person is as soon as possible. The Lisp is um, someone who I'll just say is a character that straddles both the good and the bad side of what's going on in the story. Um, he was nicknamed the Lisp by Dr. Katerina Amador um, because, well, he, he, has, he has a Lisp. And so I thought it was just easier, better, quicker to just leave him called the Lisp. That way everybody knows who he is and you don't have to figure out, is it, you know, Tom Smith. So, um, so, uh, so that's that character. Um, on, on Cote, it's uh, Lori Cote. Um, she actually became one of my favorite characters that came out of the writing process. She was not in book one. Um, I needed uh, an expert character from the Milwaukee PD crime lab and invented her. Um, a little side note, her name is a, a combo of my wife's first name, and the name of the dormitory mm-hmm. at the university where we met. So, really nice. Why not, right? So, um, I, as I mentioned, she's become one of my personal favorites, and I think it's because if, as people come to know Silk, um, he's a very irreverent um, sort of individual who has a sharp, mm-hmm. witty sense of humor, but is irreverent to a lot of things. Well, her and Silk are good friends. Uh, from his Milwaukee PD days, and um, because of her wit and humor, she can match his his uh, his attitude, his his reverence, and resulting as I started began writing it, for me at least, it became something where it was great banter during their conversations. They play off each other extremely well, and writing their dialogues was uh, was really enjoyable because they basically were how do you outdo each other on your conversations, mm. and so. 
um, while pay, keeping a very sharp eye on, on the task at hand, which was trying, tracking down the, the, uh, the bad guys. So, um, so it was fun to write her, and um, now that she's in there, I'd like to use her more in future books just because I think her and Silk have this great relationship that can be uh, expanded on. I was going to ask that, but I just want you to know, you, I posted your review last night, so I wouldn't forget on Just Reviews, and a whole bunch of people are reading them. Oh, great. They are, I've not seen that And yet. I just I got a comment from, from Wendy, yeah. from Wendy from okay. Partners in Crime, because they're the best. I had a couple of tours with them, too, and she loves my review. And they would tell oh, me awesome. if they didn't love it. Yeah, so I'm yeah. going to post it on Amazon I, later, as long as everybody loves what I wrote. It's long, but oh. it doesn't give away anything, but I think I outdid myself, yeah. seriously. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I look forward to reading it. I was traveling back last night from out of state and uh, had to get up early this morning and, and head, head into Milwaukee, which was a sheet of ice this morning, so um took a little longer than expected, and uh, I look forward to uh, jumping off this call and uh, and going to see it. So I, I, I uh, thank you in advance. Yeah, it's, it's, I try. <laughs> I've been yeah. doing this my, for whatever reason. My sister conned me into doing it, and I'm glad she did. That's what the network is named after her. When I lost her, I named her an MD Network. So okay. why was Bertram Sand in Guatemala? And when you meet him, so that's, he, what can I say? I love him. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, he's um, – I mean, that's a that's a significant plot point that I'd, I'd like to sort of leave open-ended. Uh, okay. He, he was he – was, um, there, there, the the reason he was there bleeds into everything else, and so um, let's leave it there. But um, I'm glad you liked him. Uh, he's 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 unique. There's a lot of times where I don't like. I'm himself. reading two books right now. We won't tell we won't tell them what I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading two for two interviews. Um, sometimes the main character you want to kill her off. And in this case, yeah. one of the main characters I'd like to kill off because she's getting on my nerves. I mean, she's a good main character. It's just that sometimes an author takes too much license with a, with a, with a character that's not sort of like equipped or not trained to do certain things. And you wonder, like, this is going to get this person killed. We wish they would, you know, whatever. So yeah. why, why the location of El Cibo? And who is Gandhi? Yeah, um... The location uh, was based on a very specific um, need on my end to um, create a setting that called for a small town in Guatemala close to the Mexico border. Um, mm. it's, a, it's a real town. I had to research and look it up. I have not been there. I have been to Guatemala, though, uh, which, which served as a, a good reference point for me in terms of creating um, mm. what El Sable looked like. I did, I did research as much as I could uh, in terms of, you know, images of the town, what it looked like, and actually looked like it was the perfect, the perfect town, perfect location. And it's also near um, uh, a jungle, um, you know, some miles away, but it's, it's close enough that it all made sense. So, um, so that's the reason for, for picking that location. Uh, And um, in terms of Gandhi, he was, um, I mentioned Sant had a previous investigator. That's who this is, Theo Gandhi. Um, his character um, is also integral to the story, or at least his his story is integral to the story. And as mm. I mentioned earlier, he he has vanished as well down there um, about a year prior. So um, so that that's part of this. Uh, and again, I'll leave the the specifics to the readers to find out inside the book. But uh, 
But I, I uh, when you read out the El Sabo chapter, um, you will see some things I described there, like like the church and the uh, the plaza. That was all in what I can't. I wish I could tell you. I don't remember what what town I was in in Guatemala, but it was very much like that. It was a bit of a remote location. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a had a plaza, uh, almost to the point of what I described in the book. And so I really used my personal experience to describe what that town um, looked like and and what the vibe was, and and uh, used it. I think in a for me, it was uh, satisfactory to, to to just be able to write it with confidence because I had been there, and um, and I, I, I liked how it came out. See, my hardest thing is I can't write dialogue, so I write everything from one the one person's point of view. This way, I don't have to worry about quotation marks or anything. But you know what's missing sometimes? Yeah, sometimes I wish that people would put pictures in the book so I could actually see it. But the way you wrote it, I could picture it. So that's good. Yeah, good, good. Trust me, I got it. So what made the senator think that his son was alive? And how did you create those? This is really cool. The the scenes with Kendrick was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Well, um, I referenced the the package left at the uh, Santa front gate at his his estate in the Milwaukee area. Um, Mysteriously left. Um, You know, they don't know who it was. Uh, He doesn't know. Uh, When he he, employs Viceroy, and team, that's one of the things they have to try to figure out is who left it. There's a security camera um, on it, but the person had uh, basically covered himself in in, um, in all all black and uh, with the nighttime moment. Anyway, it was they they, they obviously don't know. Uh, but inside that package um, was a bookmark that uh, Jurgen Sant had given his son. Mm-hmm right before he left on that trip to Guatemala 10 years prior. And it comes back into inside this package along with another piece of, um, of uh, item that I'll leave uh, open to the reader. But it was enough for Jurgen to, to say, hey, my son may still very much be alive because that bookmark, while the advisor even asks him this and, and pursues it, it could be probably acquired anywhere. It was it was very specific to uh, to the other piece of item in the in the backpack. So um, so it was convinced by right that hey this is a possibility as well. So that's what made Jurgen um, move forward on on on, uh, on the chase for his son one more time. Um, and then Kendrick uh, back to him. Um, he's a bit of a of a of a tortured soul, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, as I mentioned, he's 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 Jurgen Sant's front man for public. Uh, communication. So in that mode, he's very he's very buttoned up. He's very um, he's very uh, to the point. He's from uh, grew up in England, so he's got uh, as a child. So he was Ameri- you know he moved to America, but uh, again, I think I put in around ten years old, give or take. So he has a hint of a English accent to him. Handlebar mustache. He's he's very buttoned up guy. However, um, the later chapters where he's involved, uh, the reader will mm-hmm. notice his personal struggles. Um, are very much real. He stays out of suggesting that on his public conversations, but behind the scenes, he's devolving into despair, again tied to what's going on with the plot. So uh, Kendrick um, is uh, was a critical component to me because I needed someone. He is a character that tied kind of to the the, the dual plot that's going on. There, mm. there needed to be some 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 you know some connective tissue there, and uh, he's serving in, in in that role as well. Well, I'm not going to tell you anybody if I figure things out, but sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. 
This is really yeah. interesting. So who is Omar DeSantis and what is his link to Screed? And the st- what got me was that he had an idea about what happens to the people that were on it. That was scary. Like, yeah, I could see I could see a drug lord doing that. Oh my God, really? Yeah. So, uh, Del, uh, Del Santos um, is uh, in the book the president of, of Guatemala, so obviously the highest level of, uh, of office there. Um, Screed comes into his world. Uh, through his twin brother, who goes missing also, and um, he comes to find out. Um, I guess I will will tell the readers. Screed, as a as a, a drug, is one where you have to keep taking it to stay alive. And mm. if you don't take it, you your your heart um, picks up enough speed where you eventually have a heart attack and die. And so what? So mm. you have to keep taking it. Um, so that it has a it has that effect where it, it actually makes your heart do that. But if you don't keep taking it, it you know, by by the time about thirty days comes up, you're in what what they're calling stage four in the book, which is you're sweating, you, you know, your heart's pounding a million miles a minute, and you 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 if you don't take it, you will you will you will die out. Um, so that's the um, that's the hook on Screed and why it's a very powerful uh, a drug. And uh, as I said, his brother um, twin brother. Had gotten hooked on it. Well, did the people that took Screed did they know this before? Did they know, no, or did they just they not know it? Uh, yeah, and what happens if they don't get uh, enough? Well, they will. Yeah, you know, they, they if they don't continue to get it, and this is the drug lord's plot is to is to hook them, and, uh, mm-hmm. and once hooked, they need to keep paying for for the drug to stay alive. Um, so that's that's the the broad the broad play there, and what he's doing. There's, well, that's there's scary. A, a big pivot in how he's going to go about his business, um, which I will leave to the readers to find out, but uh, but that's the, that's the hook there. No pun intended. So tell us how the ghost stayed invisible there, too. That was interesting, too. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Um, his existence, um, on the whole, as you found out in reading, is not even a given, right? I, that's the reason he's yeah. called the ghost of Guatemala is 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 there even an individual that is a ghost of Guatemala, or is that a is that a fairy tale? Uh, because he the, it became in Guatemala uh, sort of a, a, a default position for for a lot of crime down down there and a lot of bad actors that they they there's this nefarious mysterious ghost of Guatemala in the background of, of some things going on down there. So the, the question is, and this is integral to the book as well, does this individual exist or not exist? Um, and if he does exist, um, to your point, how did he stay invisible? So, or how does he stay invisible? So I will let the readers find that out. Yeah. It is addressed. Um, but, um, but I need it. I, I, I keep saying I need it. I wanted uh, this, this, this idea of this character to be, to be alive uh, whether or not there is an individual in that role or not, uh, please read the book to find out. But uh, that's that's. I'll leave it there. Well, I have a thought. This happens to me a lot. This is a very powerful book because it deals with drugs and stuff. And I wonder if young people, my age, should be reading this before they decide to take even Vicodin, Percocet, or any one of those things, which I would never take. I think that mm-hmm. this this is very powerful for high schools and for counselors and people like that. It's my educator, my educator coming through, because there are so many people, students that get hooked on drugs. I mean, I used to see them outside of my school, uh, the 
this the pimp selling them, and I, we stopped them. But it's so scary. I mean, what do you th- I think that young kids and teenagers and young adults need to read this to find out what happens if you get hooked on a drug or even a painkiller. Seriously. Yeah, for sure. And, and this one, I took it almost in a, you know, a, an opposite, well, a different direction in that, you know, most, well, I guess all drugs, for the most part, the idea is to get off of them, right? Um, that, yeah. That's the goal. And if they to want point, to. Um, obviously, we have a we have a we have an epi- uh, epidemic in, in our country around that, as do a lot of countries. Um, yeah. This drug that I had sort of invented was the opposite in that you you have to keep taking it. Um, to 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 not to not die. So, um, but the message is the same. Drug, uh, uh, any any yeah. uh, entree into, into drugs, um, there there usually is 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 not not good endings. And to your point, um, Fran, I, I think you know even even the over the counter stuff um, at times should 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 be uh, addressed as well because those are are areas that can also get. It's scary because I have a cousin that takes Vicodin, Percocet, Benadryl. And oh. oxycodone yeah. and morphine every day. She's given it to it by a pain specialist, and I said to her, one of these days it's going to come back and bite you in the face. And after a while, they don't work the go- the, the medicines, and they don't have, they hurt you. And I said to her, you know, you need to get off of this junk because people don't realize how dangerous they are. And the scary part is that if you go to the doctor, they'll give you a prescription for a month. You keep going, they'll keep giving them to you. It's like the, mm-hmm. the first thing that they'll say to you when you have pain is, "Would you like this?" I go, "I'll take a Motrin." Never. Yeah, it becomes a a vicious cycle, and um, yeah, it's uh, as I said, it's 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 strong and very powerful in America. What, what what's going on with uh, with drugs, uh, both you know the the, I know. The, the the illegal kind and and the legal kind. So it's uh, it's a real issue, and I agree with you. So why did the bread of life need to be rescued, and who are they, and what did they do? Yeah, the bread of life uh, church is a church um, that has a larger role in the first book. Uh, so I, um, you'll see the the pastor here in book two. His name is Greg Oxenhouse. Uh, Vice Ray calls him Ox. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've become real good friends. Uh, a little minor role in this book, but um, he was he and his church are brought into the story just because of Viceroy's, um, uh, how he plans out his, his, uh, basically his arrival in Guatemala. And, uh, he needed to get in there and wanted to get in there mm-hmm. undercover under a, um, a re- not just flying in, flying out, uh, because of the, the vanishing of, of, uh, Bertram, uh, Theo Gandhi, the previous investigator, the previous searches, uh, for, Bertram by the Guatemalan government turned up absolutely fruitless information. Nothing ever happened. So Viceroy is convinced that there's some conspiracy down there, and he wanted to come into Guatemala under a different uh, um, umbrella, if you will, right? So uh, mm. he, he decided to use a, a church mission as his way to get there, and he will jump on board with the church mission, and he asks his friend Ox, who goes down there with the church on a real church mission. I mean, they figure that out. Uh, but it gives Viceroy the um, the ability to uh, to get get yeah uh, as I said entree without uh, without uh, without being seen or noticed by anyone who may be involved with uh, what's going on. That's that's scary. And look, I have the book in front of me, by the way. I didn't give it away yet, but I do have hands out. The minute the people in my building, they know I do this. Mm-hmm. So at the end of every week, they want to know who's getting what. I'm serious. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, the one the one that gets the most, and I have yeah. your book. I'm going to put it in there when I'm done. I just bought him yeah. some books for for Christmas. Is my UPS guy because he brings them to my door and says oh, what okay. he got. Yeah, he does. So Wiz Wiz loves me because right. he says he. There are very few people in the world that read anything that's worthwhile. So, what is yeah. the Jurgen's and pop preposition? What exactly is that? Um, I'm sorry, I could cut out just for a second. Say again. What is the Jurgen's proposition? What is that? His proposition, meaning his. Uh, um, I'm, I'm just not connecting. What? 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 what exa- I'm, I'm trying to figure out what, what, what you're asking. Maybe, oh, maybe it's how he why he convinced him to do this. Oh yeah. He said he yes. at one point he didn't think he could find him, and then he said. You know, I, I, he gave him, he sort of like strong-bombed him and said, well, we need you to do this. Why, did, why didn't he give up? Why did the viceroy just keep going? Gotcha. So um, so I, I think if I'm asking your, answering your question correctly, the, uh, Jurgen's proposition was go find my son, right? Um, yeah. And paid viceroy and team a lot of money, um, brought them in as basically personal employees. Um, one of the threads between Jurgen and viceroy is they're both, uh, dealing with loss, uh, Jurgen's obviously uh, his loss. Troy, um, you'll see uh, reader. I'm talking to the reader now. We'll see his. Uh, Jurgen knows about Troy's loss, and so when he looks to find the investigator to replace Gandhi after the satchel has been appeared on his gate, his his sights were set on on, on employing Troy because Jurgen believes that loss breeds perseverance more than anything else uh, with the right construct of your character uh, you you would you would take things deeper wider stronger um, than anything else just because of your loss and it, you turn mm-hmm. your loss into a more persevering attitude about life and how you'd be your business so the two have this this kind of unspoken connection um, about that, mm-hmm. and I think that's what drives, uh, that's what drove Jurgen to hire Viceroy, and it's what drives Viceroy to pursue. And I wrote him, um, which again is, is hit harder in the first book a little bit, in that he is himself a monster for details, and um, he, uh, he refers to them as molecules, and uh, that's one of the things that, as this book unfolded, as these two parallel plots start to weave together, mm-hmm. Viceroy starts to connect the dots that these, there, is, there is something between what's going on in Milwaukee and what happened in Guatemala, but he mm. innately knows nothing's adding up, even though it appears to be adding up, like they can't figure it out. So what drives him further is to say, there's something here, there's a here here. And he, he just gets to a point where something hits him about what's something that they might have missed to, to, to drive the investigation to the next level. So... Um, Again, you'll find out when you read the story how that happens, what happens, and what the result is. I'm well, not going to get to that just yet, but before I forget, Thursday, Wednesday, Dick Belsky, Charles Salzburg, Dennis Palumbo will be there to talk about, oh, and T.J. O'Connor, we have a panel. And we're going to talk about the changes in the publishing industry because of this horrific pandemic that we wish would die and never come back. And how it's affected people like myself as reviewers because sometimes you can't get print. And I won't read anything that's not print. I can't read it on my phone. 
So it's been costing me, you know, sometimes I'll pay for the PDF, and sometimes they'll print it out, and sometimes I have to turn it down. It's really sad. On the 9th, I have to make up something that I had to cancel last week, Pickle Pink in Paris, P.J. Peterson. On the 14th, the author of Night Stalker. On the 16th, the author of Cliff Diver. And what better way to end 2021 than with Deb Pines, award-winning of Just Reviews, Award for A Plague Among Us. On the 4th, we have January, Dennis Palumbo. We're going to talk about winter blues. And on the 5th, this is huge. Mark Cameron is going to be there with Chain of Command. That's just the start of January. It gets better as we go along, from what they told me. And, yeah, so that that should be a nice way to start the new year, I hope. And let's see. Um, I, where does Dr. Armato come in? What, uh, why did they need her to start with? And she's there, but not not throughout the whole story. Amador, no, she's, Dr. Uh, Amador. she's in the first opening chapter, and uh, yeah. uh, Dr. Amador, and um, she's uh, involved in not by her choice. Uh, she she's yeah. a prisoner um, and who was taken off the streets of Baltimore. Um, she is a, a young um, genius uh, doctor that deals in in um, molecular uh, manipulation uh, studies, and she did her thesis on it. And that's exactly mm-hmm. the sort of person that um, the bad guy needs. So he has taken her, and um, I don't have her heavy in the book. Uh, she is yeah, I know. Uh, obviously a strong component in terms of the medical or scientific side of, of what's on what's unveiling throughout the book. Uh, she's very much involved in it, but she is a character that you're going to see in the opening chapter. You see her a time or two uh, later. Um, and um, I, I, I wanted the focus to be mostly on the manhunt and the mystery and suspense around Silk's and Viceroy's parallel uh, plot, um, plot stories. So Dr. Amador is, um, uh, is there, but only when needed sort of approach in terms of how I wrote her. Yeah, I know. This is, like, scary. So the ending, the way you pieced it together, one, two, three, four, however you did it, is great. How did this Viceway piece it all together, and how did you create that those final scenes so that everybody has it in chronological order of some type? Yeah. So um, I, uh, I, I uh, in terms of answering how he come, came to find out, I, I'll only say that um, he uh, – as I mentioned a minute or two ago, um, as these plots are seemingly coming together as the book gets to the finish line, Viceroy is struggling to, to connect them. He knows they're connected. He just can't figure it out. Um, and there is a moment where he recalls a very rushed offhand comment by someone in Guatemala as actually he and Regina were being chased Mm-hmm. Um, by seemingly someone with connected to the problem um, through through some under underground tunnels um, that mm-hmm. the comment seems to resonate with him at this critical moment and that unfolds everything for him in terms of connective tissue between the two plots and so he goes he immediately goes back to to uh, connect those dots which I'll leave to the reader to find out and um, and that. Um, that's how that all landed for him. So, uh, and I, I'm sorry, you had a second part, I think, to your question. Oh, I forgot the second part, yeah. So how did you create the, the, the sequence? I mean, it says number one, number oh, two, number three, it's in the back. I don't yeah. want to read them out loud. 
No, no problem. So what I honestly, um, Fran, I wrote the I wrote that chapter, and I'm like, man, this is just it's it, there's a lot here, and there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of um, information that that ties it all up, and mm-hmm. I had to figure out a way to do. I had I wrote I rewrote it probably mm-hmm. ten times. Um, and um, landed on, finally landed on, I should say, this, this kind of chronological step one, step two, step three approach. And I think, um, hopefully, as you read it, 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 it made it crystal clear in terms of the yeah. entire story arc and what happened. So that was just, a, that was more me trying to figure out if I'm a reader. How, I, read, sorry, I, I, wrote the, I wrote the first time, I reread it, I'm like, this is not going to make sense for a lot of people. I know what's going on, but they don't. So I had to keep rewriting, rewriting until it came out in a way that uh, that was um, digestible by by a reader, and um, that's what you're seeing in front of you. So it was just it wasn't a, it wasn't necessarily a purposeful way of doing it, other than me, you know, figuring out I have to do this in a in a in a certain way that's going to make crystal clear sense for for the reader. So that's how it ended up. Well, read the last chapter and you'll get it, people. That's if you read it really carefully. Right. But wait till you read the whole story. Otherwise, you'll get it before you're supposed to get it. So. Well, you have to read it from start to finish, and if you have to go back a couple of chapters, which I didn't have to do, you might want to reread some of it so that you get it straight. But now this is the hard part. This is the hard part. We know that greed. Once you take it, you can die if you don't take it. What happens to those that were addicted? What happens if they don't get it and those that are stuck with it? Is there a way to cure them or not cure yeah, them? Yeah, so many, uh, yeah, many, you know, many die. Um, the, the, there is a, 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 yeah, this is, I want to answer this the right way, but I also want to say it's, it's also part of, I can't say too much because it does bleed into the, uh, the plot of, of, uh, of, of the bad guys. And, uh, just say that there is for those that are looking for it, uh, on a readership level, uh, once you get to the end, there is a, a glimmer of hope. Uh, for the people that are on screen, and uh, I will, uh, I'll leave it there. Well, that, that's a good idea because we don't want them to know. Now, these two questions right. I have to ask, because I've been asking these of all the authors: How did you come up with the title "Council of the Cunning," and how did you create mm-hmm. the cover? Um, the title, uh, I will just say, mm-hmm. if if as you've read it now, Fran, you'll you you probably will at least acknowledge uh, what I'm about to say, which is uh, yeah. I, I come up with the story first, and I think most authors probably do, uh, and, and, and work it that way. Where, that's, where mm-hmm. the title is taken from, as is the first book, which is uh, called Give Place to Wrath, what got me going on novel writing was I wanted to try to take um, moral or morality-based principles and sort of infuse them into a mystery, thriller, suspense genre, Using a detective, mm-hmm. and um, and so those titles are taken from uh, from scripture. Having said that, it's not as you can find out. It's very much a secular book. It's just a moral message, and it's not around whether you believe mm-hmm. or don't believe or agnostic, whatever. It's just universal moral principles. And give place. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Council of the Cunning basically says, hey, if you if you've got evil intent and evil schemes. Mm-hmm. Good will always triumph over evil. Okay, that that's that's sort of the the overarching theme there. And the first book, um, Give Place to Wrath, was about hey, do not take revenge. Revenge is not 
a good place to go, right? Ven- vengeance um, is 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 not for us as individuals necessarily to to undertake, right? Now, you know, at, at, a, at a war level, a government level, you can argue yes or no, but it, but in terms of individual morality issues, vengeance is is not a place to go. And what's interesting, and I look, I, I'm not saying I was I was pressured for anything like that, but the first book dealt with race relations. Um, the second book, as you said, is, is dealing with, with, with the drug mm. issue. I didn't do that on purpose. I mm. think I just you know, wrote them as is, and, and they're sort of speaking to some of the things going on in our, our world today. So that's mm-hmm. a good thing. Um, so um, I don't want the reader to get off-put if they were to be off-put by a little bit of a very understated faith element in this, but uh, that's that's where it is. And the cover actually came from my, uh, my publisher. So I have a call out Shannon Robb at Suspense Publishing, who um, who created the cover, a good job. and uh, we obviously had a, a couple of iterations, but uh, we we landed on that one. She did an awesome job. That that that's uh, it, it was it was extremely well done. She actually redid the first cover as well, uh, in the mm. first book because uh, they they acquired. Uh, I was with a different publisher for the first book. They acquired the rights mm-hmm. for Give Place to Wrath, and she reissued it. They actually they her and John her husband reissued it out. Um, Right before uh, Cunningham, that came out in June, and that was her design as well. So I'm very pleased you with know it. Uh, they're awesome, and uh, um, hopefully the readers will enjoy yeah. it as well. She she did. Give the, co- the cover is what got me when I got it. Because, you know, when people send me books, I have no idea what I'm reading to read. Uh, they, you know, they, what they do with partners in crime is they said, friend, would you like to join this club? Don't worry, you're going to do it anyway. They don't even ask at this point. And yeah. <laughs> in the last week, the last week and a half, I've got like eight or nine requests for reviews and interviews, and I go, sure, why not? No problem. <laughs> like yeah, I'll, fit yeah. you into, I'll fit you into one of my years. You know what I'm noticing though? When you said the first book, Revenge, is bad, every single book that I have, I won't tell you the titles. The main character mm. is angry at something, and they go after the other person in revenge. So that doesn't mm. always work in your favor, does it? When you're going to do, you have to think about it, and sometimes they go headstrong, which is right. not good either. Right. I mean, I think the idea is um, vengeance on a personal level um, mm. is probably an area best best not to go down, right? What, what's I forget the yeah. saying about um, something served cold, right? Uh, and I think that that's, that's – that's the idea here is and that that's a morality message right that's a that's a moral message for us as individuals um that mm-hmm. vengeance is not yours to take uh and and so again i i i don't want to hit this too hard but that's that's sort of the the undertow of my books is this kind of morality subliminal mm-hmm. uh, messaging around certain topics and uh, that's that's what first one was about was vengeance um dealing with that I definitely got that. But I'm wondering, that's why I said, I think young people need to read this because look what happened mm-hmm. in the high school. Look what happens anywhere. Mm-hmm. They, they, a, mm-hmm. a kid bullies somebody, and they decide they're going to take a gun and shoot him. And, mm-hmm. you know, after, I taught for 36 years, and um, I dealt with um, mediation. Peer mediation, I dealt, I created a, a whole big thing with, with my school, with my friends, with peer mediation, so that we stopped it before it started. And we actually brought the, the fighters in in two separate sides, and by the time I got done, they were friends. I mean, it's it's scary. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's scary. It's I had scary. two boys. And, and I'm little. And these two sixth grade boys came up to my room, and they were killing each other. And Miss Brilliant Opie had got in the middle of them, took one knee on one, one on the other. And I said, you move. You're going to be so sorry. You hurt me, and I'm going to cry. And they stopped. <laughs> and and they well, called their parents, and they said she used physical force. And they said, well, if she didn't hurt you, well, that's just too bad. That's what's scary yeah. is that they get angry outside, and they bring it inside. So how do you stop that? You yeah. can't. You can't. Uh, kudos of bravery to you, by the way. Um, no, you can't. I was brave. Um, let me tell you. <laughs> With my job. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Never again. Uh, again <laughs> I got uh, hurt sometimes. Thank you on behalf of stepping in because that's what needs to happen a little bit more and more in yeah. a way that, that calms the waters. And it uh, sounds like you did that. It's, it's, it's scary because only once or twice did you get hurt. Yeah, broken rib, broken arm, broken something. Not from the kids either. Mm-hmm. Just because you just didn't something the right way I think the worst thing that ever happened to me was a parent came in and she was going to smash her son in the head for getting into trouble I happened to stand in front of her and I said let me get you know the teacher out and I'll talk to him she punched me in the chest by accident Mm. when she meant to punch him and she was scared Mm -hmm. I said I can call the police and have you arrested but I know it was an accident kind of broken rib and she apologized Mm. but you know accident reports do happen I said I took this job why why am I doing yeah. this? <laughs> but yeah. you know what? I wouldn't change one year, whatever. So what is next for Viceway and his team? What's coming out after this one? Uh, I'm, I'm, I am uh, underway with book three. Um, I have to flesh out a lot of the details around the plot, but book three is, is on my computer um, being typed out as often as I can get to it. And, uh, and I, my process is one where I kind of write the beginning, write the end, and mm-hmm. then I know a number of the middle chapters that I need to have in there, and then the creative process sort of takes over to fill in the gaps, taking me from, you know, chapter one to, to the end, uh, filling in those gaps to get me there. And that what that does for me is it gives me, it, at least for me, it, it really helps develop creativity and plot lines that I didn't think of, character moments I didn't think of, character this, character that, so... It really is, um, I may be a little longer writer than, than perhaps others in that I really marinate mm-hmm. on, uh, on the chapters I write. And I, have a, I, don't, I don't use an outline. Um, I, as I said, I kind of get a number of them in my head in terms of what I need to have in there. And then uh, during that, that process of connecting those chapters together, linking them, um, great things happen. And uh, things like in, in this book, uh, I think, you know, the development of, as, a, as an example, uh, Lori Coate and what happened with her in this process uh, mm. was, was surprising. Um, and just some of the plot lines. I, as I said, there, there's, there's things that I can't even foresee. But I, I know just by letting it freeform, at least for me as an author, um, it, it, it actually make, makes for a better book for me because that I, I am not one to, uh, to sit down, outline it out, and I, I really let, uh, let, let the creativity take, um, take the lead. And um, sometimes I got to tack myself back a little bit. I get I get off on a tangent. I got to watch for that. But uh, for the most part, <laughs> the book comes out pretty clean. So who are you bringing back besides the viceroy? Before yeah, we ask where you can find all your work. Yeah, viceroy and team will come back. They're based here in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. Um, and um, this book three will be a Wisconsin-based story. Um, I will just say there'll be a little bit of a um religious conspiracy implications in book three. Oh nice. Um but it's gonna remain here and um I I um 
I, I, I've, I can't tell you too much other than those uh, probably Lori Cote will still be involved and he'll, they'll still be employed mm-hmm. by the stance. Uh, so there'll be elements of, of Jurgen and now the, you know, Bertram and Liesl probably will be touch points as well, as long as, uh, his, his pastor friend, uh, Ox. So those would be the main characters, uh, around it. Um, but, uh, returning back to Wisconsin. So we're going to be focused right here for book three. Well, when can I expect it? <laughs> I'm terrible. I wish I could tell you. I don't know. I, I, I uh, I'll have to uh, let me talk to my publisher, figure out what what they're thinking on that, and uh, mm-hmm. I uh, hope to finish it um, first first cut of it by you know Q2 here of 22, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll see what they want to do uh, when they want to release it. It may be around late next year or possibly early uh, early 23. But I'll that's what I'll, we're going to talk about on Thursday. That's exactly what the panel is going to talk about. The hardest thing is to get the book published, who's going to publish yeah. it, and the publishing companies. I mean, Dick Belsky's books are the best, and I love Dick. And I got lucky because right before his interview, I got the copy of the book. Otherwise, I was going to have to go to FedEx and ask my pals over there, which they will, to print it out for me, the PDF, and that gets expensive, mm-hmm. really expensive. But for him, I would yeah. do it. I mean, there was one author, and I won't say who, that had a double novel, and it cost me $300 to get the book printed out to do the interview. Oh, geez. And I didn't realize yeah. it at the time, but the books were good, and I didn't tell any, I didn't tell the author that. I just said, oh, well, chalk it up to whatever. And I mean, and then yeah. once in a while, they say to me, I'll pay me back, and I go, yeah, what the heck. You know what? It's just nice to do something nice for somebody, and doing this really, you know, doing the interviews and the book reviews are great, but I will say so. I don't write negative reviews ever, and I don't mm-hmm. do review interviews with people whose books I don't feel are at least four and a half, five stars, to be very honest, and that that's just me, but I want to thank you. Where could everybody get all of your books and learn more about you before we end? Sure. I, the best place probably to start at least would be my website, uh, stephenccharms.com. Um, you can, you, I've got a blog going there. You can, you can do some uh, book shopping of the two books I've got out uh, as well. I also am on social, so you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. And just search my author name, Stephen C. Harms, uh, when you do so, and you'll find, you'll find all three. Um, so, I'd, you know, if, if uh, you, the readers, want to – Keep track of what I'm doing and what's going on. Uh, please, please go there. Thank you. This is great. So, for those of you that don't know it, Population Zero is my last book, and I got some good reviews, and I'm getting some people on Goodreads that are just rating it for the sake of being mean. They're just rating it. They didn't read it. They're just rating it, and for some whatever reason, if it makes you happy, I don't care, because I'll stay. I wrote a book about a world without people. It's nine worlds, mm. world without without sun, with coldness, um, ice. It's just, it's just different. And um, I invited a dead person to come back to experience my world, hoping that people, after they read it and experience what he did, the, the spirit does, they'll start acting like nice people in this one and stop with all the revolts and the protests and everything and start appreciating this one. And I, what I wrote on Goodreads this morning was, what if one of my worlds came true? We just start appreciating the one we live in. And I just wrote that as a little whatever because I've got a, a whole bunch of nice reviews and a whole bunch of people that didn't read it and I don't care. But thank you so okay. much, and I appreciate it. Do you do panel shows too, by any chance? I would love to, yeah, for sure. Well, and then I have um, to, and, that would be great. 
Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would I would welcome that, uh, Fran. And, and again, my, my very sincere thanks for bringing me on. I appreciate it very much. It was great to connect with you. I will commit to you. I'm gonna I'm going to read your book that you just mentioned. Um, and uh, and and I will have some time over the holidays here to dive in. So uh, I will definitely do that. And again, my sincere thanks for bringing me on. I appreciate it very much. And it's great to connect with you. So hopefully we can Thank do this again. Thank you so tonight. much. Everybody, have a great day. Stay safe. Be smart. Wear a mask outside. Everybody stay safe and bye.